Minnesota-Michigan State was so bad, I don't even really want to talk about it all that much. And also, what are the biggest questions I want answered in Week 5? You are Locked On Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know on the conference every day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up today, I'm going to talk Minnesota-Michigan State from over the weekend. But to be honest, not too much about it because it was a blowout. And really, I don't really think we need to get that much into what was so obvious for so much of that game. And also, a whole lot of really fun matchups coming up in Week 5. Maybe none of the headliners that we saw in the first couple of weeks in the Big Ten But it's the first week in which we get seven Big Ten games, all against Big Ten teams facing each other. And I want to know some things that we still haven't quite figured out with some teams yet. I'll get to my biggest things that I want answers to from the biggest games of the week here on today's show. But today's show, by the way, is brought to you by uh, Upside. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's Upside, the app I'll tell you about a little more here in just a second. Thank you for making Locked on Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. Let's dive into Michigan Michigan State, Minnesota from Saturday. I don't want to talk much about this game. From the start and then pretty consistently throughout, the Minnesota Gophers showed us that they were the better team here. Just straight up flat. It's that simple. I wanted to come in here this week and be able to break down really well and in-depth a matchup between two teams that I thought had a shot of competing for that top of the tier underneath Michigan and Ohio State. I thought these two teams were the most likely for, if they got to, for Minnesota on the other side of the conference, a game against a Michigan and an Ohio State this season. They would have been two of my top candidates to try and pull off that upset. Minnesota is still right there. But Michigan State's now lost a second straight game, and this one was ugly. Bad, bad. 34-7 to final score. Some of the stats again. Tanner Morgan, 268 yards and three touchdowns. Most importantly, 23 of 26 passing the football. Mo Ibrahim, 103 yards and a touchdown. Trey Potts, the backup running back. He had about 15 carries, averaged 5.5 yards per carry. Ten different Gophers caught a pass in this game. It was no stopping Minnesota from start to finish. The defense for Minnesota got the job done. Got timely turnovers. Michigan State only got 240 total yards. Peyton Thorne finished with 132 and two INTs. Nobody with more than 31 combined yards from scrimmage in the receiving and rushing group for the Spartans. It was a thorough beatdown by Minnesota. They solidified their spot in the top 25, but in my head, as the top team in the West with that win. And also, Michigan State, I think, proves that they're not good enough this season. And you say what you want about what that means for this team. I don't think it means that Mel Tucker's bad as a coach. 
I don't think it means that the transfer portal strategy he's been using doesn't work. I just think that right now this team is not good enough, particularly that pass defense. And it's not going to get any better for Michigan State either. Because they've got Maryland next, and Talia Tungavailoa certainly knows how to air out the football like his brother. That's going to be a really interesting game here this weekend. It's going to be mentioned in one of the top three things I want to learn about teams in these weekend matchups. But that Michigan State pass defense against that Maryland passing offense, it doesn't seem like, at least in the last couple of weeks, the Spartans are going to be able to slow down just about anyone. One of the most valued passing offenses in the Big Ten, it's not looking any good. I wanted this to be a game where I was going to be able to come out of it, look at all the different aspects of it, and see a well-fought matchup where I learned more about who Minnesota is and who Michigan State is as a competitive football team. But now I'm sitting here thinking the only thing I may have learned is that there was only one competitive football team on that field on Saturday. At least as far as being able to like really, really compete in the way that we're interested in. Michigan State can turn it around, of course. They've still got all their biggest games ahead of them. But as it stands right now, that Spartan team is continuing to fall lower and lower in my mental power rankings in the Big Ten. I may put him below a Maryland right now. And I, I'll have to look at the line, but I'm probably going to be betting Maryland against the spread when Saturday comes along. That's just my thought on, again, a game that I wanted to spend a whole lot more time getting into on today's show, and I had planned out, okay, let's get into and break down all the stats and box scores of what happened here, because I was still ready for this to be a really, really good early season Big Ten game, a good indicator game. And now I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, we could have done that. We could have done the 10-minute long talk about, okay, here's how the stats and play-by-play -play and drive-by-drive -drive things broke down, but it was pretty obvious that just Minnesota was a whole lot better. And it felt stupid for me to come on here and give you all the numbers behind that when the real message behind it all is that. And it was clear to see. So instead of coming out of this game thinking that I know anything all that much more about Minnesota or Michigan State. I, I guess I, I think I do know a little bit more about just where the floor is and how low it can go for the Spartans. But when I'm talking about good teams here, this Minnesota win was supposed to be, I mean, you tell me Minnesota beats Michigan State 34-7 to in the preseason, I'm thinking, oh, Minnesota's the real deal. And I do think Minnesota's the real deal, but the thing that's going to prove it, prove it to me, I was hoping would be a little bit more something like this signature win. This win is not what it was at the beginning of the season, of course. This is no longer a top 25 team in Michigan State. And I think with the last couple of losses, we've kind of solidified that that's deservedly so, at least for right now, at least until Michigan State can start to stop something through the air. There's no reason for them to be considered among the best 25 teams in this country. Some of the other biggest stories from the Big Ten around the day before we move on into the show. Iowa linebacker Justin Jacobs is out. He will miss the rest of the season after a soft tissue injury he actually sustained week one. 
missed two weeks, came back against Rutgers. It got worse, and Iowa now says that he's going to have to miss the rest of the season. Unfortunate there. In better news, good news if you're a Big Ten basketball fan, you have dates and now times to circle and channels to watch games on too if you're looking and already looking at the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, the official channels and times and dates for all those games are released, so if you've forgotten who your team's playing or just want to look up and see when exactly that is again, you can head on over to, well, to be quite honest, wherever you get your scores and stuff. They'll have it there all up to date. We're going to come up here and talk about the biggest things I need to know here this weekend from some of the biggest matchups of the weekend in the Big Ten. We've got some really interesting, I would call them, matchups here in Week 5. None of the big, big, huge names like a Wisconsin-Ohio State matchup, but some things that I think could really tell us something about these teams. We're going to get to that in a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we get to any of that, though, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting all of us where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. It's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you get cash back thanks to Upside. And if you're thinking, okay, I have a rewards card already, you're just straight up able to get more cash back if you use the Upside app. To get started, download the free app, use the promo code LOCKED, and we'll get you a little bit of an extra bonus too. $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Claim an offer or whatever you want on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to other credit card royalty or rewards programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Let's talk about this weekend. It's not the best slate of games. I'll run down it all here because it is all Big Ten games. It's the first week we're getting that. It'll be Illinois-Wisconsin, Michigan against Iowa, Purdue against Minnesota, Rutgers against Ohio State, Michigan State against Maryland, Northwestern against Penn State, Indiana against Nebraska. As I mentioned, there is no sort of huge eye-popping matchup among those seven. But there's some interesting games here, and I still think there's some things that we need to learn about some teams that we can figure out with these matchups. I got three of them. I'll go from three to one. Biggest things I want to learn here this weekend. Number three, just how bad is Iowa? Like, for real, really how bad? Because we're going to find out this weekend. The Hawkeyes face off against Michigan, and Michigan is not going to pull punches. They are not going to have any sort of slow offensive day that maybe other opponents of the Hawkeyes have had. Iowa's looked really bad. And Michigan has looked really, really good. Now, maybe the Hawkeyes can slow the Wolverines down a little bit. Iowa is the number one scoring defense in all of the country. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the show, too. But Michigan's the number two scoring offense in the country. And Iowa's defense has yet to face an offense that has anything close to what Michigan is going to put out there on the field on Saturday. So when you're looking at these two teams, I'm thinking, okay, this is a perfect litmus test exactly how badly Iowa gets destroyed in this game. Tells me 
just about how bad I think things can get for the Hawkeyes. Because I'm still in this weird state of on the fence with Io, where it's been very, very obvious that that team has not played well. But at the same time, I've been through this enough times where in my head I have that voice that says, you know they're going to be competitive in the West at the end of the season. So how do I balance that? How do I juggle those two things? Well, let's put them up against one of the top teams in the country and see just how bad they get beat down. This is not a game I'm looking at like with the other two that I'm going to mention here as hopefully close matchups or like with the Michigan State-Minnesota game where I'm really wanting to see two teams going at each other and bumping heads, seeing what they can do. This is a game where I think Michigan's going to dominate and just how badly it goes gives me an idea of just how badly the Iowa season might end up going because I'm looking for a reason, I am right now, to really, really sell out on Iowa. But there's just that one little part of me that has myself always saying, hey, that team's going to find a way where in November they're playing games that for some reason are still mattering somehow. Moving on, number two. Do the Purdue Boilermakers have any sort of chance of putting this thing back together? Now, Aiden O'Connell may not play in this game, and if he's out, this is pretty much a throwaway then. But the Minnesota Gophers are the hottest team in the Big Ten right now that isn't Ohio State or Michigan. They're in the top 25. They have not really faltered all year long, have dismantled all of the competition, given Michigan State was the first real competition that Minnesota had faced all season. That team's legit good. And there's still part of me that wants to believe Purdue is legit good too, or has that legit good potential. In previous seasons, this was a closely competitive matchup. These were two teams who were close together in the Big Ten standings often, and they've been able to play close games. Minnesota's had the upper hand. But for Purdue, it's a chance to get back on track. Again, if Aiden O'Connell is out there, I want this to be a really good game. I want Purdue to be able to show some fight. But if they don't, if Minnesota just rolls through them as they have everyone who's gotten in their way so far, I think it's time to throw in the towel on the Boilermakers. If they're just not really showing much of any fight out there, then you have this game against Minnesota, the other game against Penn State. You put those together and it's not enough to be able to make that team competitive again with the two Big Ten losses early. I think Purdue can be good, can be pesky. But if they want to really, really contend and be like legit, they're not good enough to make up for these two Big Ten losses this early in the season. That's just the plain and simple of it. So if I'm thinking about, all right, I really want Purdue to legit have an impact in this season, This game against Minnesota is going to be a big test for them to, one, try and win it, and if not, how do you compete against one of the hottest teams in not just the Big Ten, but all of the country right now in Minnesota? Number one thing I want to know after this week, is Maryland really good? And is MSU really, really that bad? Michigan State was a top 15 team going into this season, I think it was, top 20 for sure. 
has now suffered two losses that have us not only questioning whether or not top 25 is in the cards, but whether or not this team can do anything until, again, it figures things out on defense. It was all around bad last week. And it was all around bad for a lot of the game against Washington the week before. If it doesn't beat Maryland, that's, I think, the sign that you have to start sounding the alarms. Because then this season's on the verge of becoming a total loss. And if you're Mel Tucker, you had a whole lot of momentum going into this year that you were hoping to try and build on. And a retooled roster that you wanted to be able to do well with. Michigan State, I think, still has the talent. I don't think that's what's going to happen this weekend. But as far as Maryland being good and Michigan State being bad, again, let's go back to the beginning of the year. This was supposed to be a pretty easy win for Michigan State. People liked Maryland's offense in the offseason. But with what Maryland has done on offense so far, which is what Maryland does, and with what Michigan State has done on defense so far, which is pretty much let a team like Maryland do whatever it wants all day, it's not that hard to connect the dots that Michigan State could just fall apart again this weekend too. I don't want them to, because I think this conference is better when Michigan State's competing and really, really good. But I I guess that's what I want to see this weekend. I want to start to see the recovery of like, okay, you've gotten beat pretty bad two weeks in a row now through the air. you got another team who's coming in that you know is going to throw the ball to. Can you put together something over the course of this week? What do you got? Because if it becomes now a third straight week of just nobody being able to stop anything, then I'm just like, all right, this isn't a problem that can be fixed just in between the weeks in practice. It obviously is something bigger than that now, but I want to at least be able to believe that some of the stuff can get patched up here soon. And that's not really where I'm at right now. Those are the things I'm looking at trying to learn here as we get into week five of this Big Ten season. We are going to talk more about Minnesota and Michigan State, by the way. We'll have Matt Sheen on the show later on in the week, and we'll get his thoughts on the recap of that game. It was one of the bigger early Big Ten games of the season. So while it was a complete blowout, and I personally don't think there's all that much to get more than or take away from than that, it, it, it's worth discussing. So we'll, we'll get it into it with Matt, and you know he'll have the takes for it too. Before we end things here on Locked On Big Ten, a look at where we're at as a conference here over the first few weeks and some thoughts from me just real quick on how that translates to real national competitiveness here. Let me tell you what I mean. Right now the Big Ten has, as I was looking through notes on BigTen.org, they released just some weekly football notes, really just pumping up the conference in the next week's games and what's been done so far. And this week, they were pumping up a couple of things pretty hard. Big Ten defenses, Big Ten running backs. And that's not unusual for the Big Ten to be really good in both of those. But here's just some of the numbers again. Seven out of the 14 Big Ten teams, that's half of the conference, is in the top 20 in the nation in scoring defense this season. Uh, Schools are Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, Ohio State, Penn State, and Rutgers. There are five Big Ten running backs, half of the top ten in total yards per game, come out of the Big Ten Conference. 
Chase Brown, Mo Ibrahim, Braylon Allen, Blake Corum, and Anthony Grant. As I mentioned, these are not uncommon things for the Big Ten to be dominating in these categories. The Big Ten is the best defensive team statistically right now in the country, just talking about points allowed per game and other stats too. But when you're talking about winning championships, what we've consistently talked about on this show is how that's not good enough. How defense and running the ball just isn't a strategy to winning national championships nowadays. And I wonder now if that can be the case or if the Big Ten can overcome and become a conference that wins a championship without the kind of high-flying, high-scoring offenses that we've seen win championships so far. Because if it is any other team than Ohio State out there, that college football playoff is not getting an offensive juggernaut from the Big Ten. That's just the way it is. So this is something I think we've talked about even on the show before, or I've gone over these numbers before. But here is the winning score from the last... one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight national championship games. Winning team has scored 42, 45, 35, 26, 44, 42, 52, and 33 points, an average of nearly 40 points per game for the team that wins the college football national championship. Those numbers I think we may have gone over before because I've talked about this before, about how I personally don't believe that the Big Ten has the kind of ability to compete with anybody in that national stage outside of Ohio State. The defense does not win the championship in this game, I don't think. Those numbers I reeled off support that. But here's, I think, maybe something that can at least bring a little hope and suggest that maybe a Big Ten defense that's good enough could actually get the job done in a college football playoff. Because while I've listed off the scores that have won college football national championship games before, I have seldom gone over the losing scores in those games. And therefore, the score that you would have needed to win. Because we have plenty of games where it's like a a 44-16 final score. Where, yeah, the winning team scored 44 points, but they didn't need to. Defense was really good. So let's talk about, okay, if the Big Ten has a defense that is good enough and on that top tier of college football, can that defense alone be enough to overcome another college football playoff team? That question I don't know. But if we're talking about what the offense on the other side would have to do, if this Big Ten defense is that kind of legit, there's evidence to suggest the offense wouldn't have to score more than 25-26 points out there. Here's the final score of the losing team of each college football playoff game. uh, National championship game last eight. 20 points. 40 points. 31 points. 23. 16. 25. 24. And 18. Which means that on average, given the losing score of all those teams, you would have had to, on average, score just 25.6 points per game to win the college football playoff national championship game if you were the offense with this combined defense. Again, I don't know if I think the Big Ten has a defense that is that 
kind of good to be able to stop uh, an Alabama or a Georgia and hold it to that many points. And there are other factors in these statistics as well, too. Uh, For instance, Georgia's defense was legit good last season. It held Alabama to 18 points. That is not an offense that you would expect anyone in the Big Ten to hold to 18 points. I don't know if Georgia expected to hold it to 18 points either. Also, a lot of these teams are getting out to early leads because their offenses are really good. And then the other offense has to take more risks. And there's all sorts of factors, of course, that are leading to why these losing teams aren't scoring all that many points. But the point is that while winning teams in the college football playoff had had the offense as of late, and the offense has been obviously impressive, there's also been a defensive aspect there where, where the offense hasn't necessarily had to be there in the championship games. So if the Big Ten has a really good defense and can put together an offense that's just good enough, then maybe you don't need to have the Ohio State there to really say there, there's a competitor nationally out of this conference. Maybe there is a defense out there that's good enough for you to be able to hold an SEC team to a 25, say, points. I don't know if I believe it yet, but again, the Big Ten just seems to be doing what the Big Ten does again, which is play defense and run the football. Just seems like this year they're doing it especially well. Maybe one of the most Big Ten years we've been seeing out of the Big Ten as of, that, uh, that we've seen lately. Last year was an especially good year for the Big Ten. Had a whole bunch of teams ranked, a whole bunch of teams undefeated really, really late. This year, the Big Ten's been playing a whole lot of ugly Big Ten football straight from the start. This is the most Big Ten we've seen this conference in a long time. Maybe, maybe that can play to this conference's advantage come the end of the season. Just maybe. We'll be back tomorrow here on Locked On Big Ten with more on anything that happens, of course, in the conference from now until then. I am Nate Dickinson. Follow us on Twitter, Locked On Big Ten, one zero, not T-E-N, wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, and on social. And I'm at Nate with Sports on Twitter as well. We'll be back tomorrow again with all the stuff that happens in the Big Ten. Until then, be sure to make all your other Big Ten shows, whatever your team is, your second listens once you're done here.